Hello, Internet. The Morgan You Know Podcast Network presents Balls and Brew. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Flagship Sports Podcast here on the Morgan You Know Podcasting Network. I am your host. My name is Rod Morgan. Not joining us this week, but still producing this episode is Jimmy Jamriska. He was unable to join us at time of recording, but he's still nice enough to put our words together. And those words won't be coming just from me. I'm going to be joined by my good friend from down there in North Carolina. It's Mr. Chris King. Chris, hello. What is up, Rod? How's it going tonight? Well, you know, we have the Kentucky Derby. It's wrapped up, right? We have a, another sport, which will uh, go uh, nameless for at least yet another week. But other than that, it's just the NBA, right? That's what's going on. Or were you going to tell me something else that you were about to drop something on me, mm-hmm. were you? No, no, that's what's going on. It's the NBA playoffs. Is there anything else that's even important? Maybe Listen, if we you can ask- talk about Jim Irsay, but I stick with the NBA. That's right. We don't have Williams with us. We're gonna leave. We're gonna leave Irsay till the time we have Williams with us. If you ask my wife, there's been nothing more other than NBA playoff games, right? According to her, they're just on all the time, and they got me on till all hours of the night. And we normally run the NBA fast break with Jimmy. So this week, Chris, we are going to run a pick and roll on them, right? What do you do with two people on a basketball court? You run a pick and roll. So that's what we're going to do this week. Are you excited about running a pick and roll? Did you run a pick and roll back in the day when you were playing on the peach baskets? Yes, it was one of the first offensive plays ever designed was the low pick and roll. And it wasn't picking for the ball handler. You were you're, you were diving down to the low post to pick for the low post guy to pop up to the wing. So there wasn't even any any high screens. It was all just low pick and rolls, off ball. Yeah, just getting the guy open enough that you could pass it to him because we didn't have any skills whatsoever with the basketball at that point because people had only picked it up weeks beforehand. You know what I mean? This is this is the kind of skill level we're talking about. Yeah, back then it was hard to uh, really dribble a leather ball on dirt, so you did a lot of passing. That's right, did a lot of passing. We will be passing back and forth to one another. The gimmick I have come up with is the pick and the roll. So the pick basically is just going to be the question. Chris and I are going to trade back and forth, picking for one another, and then the other will roll. I am going to start. Chris, is there any reason for us to talk about the New York Knicks and the Miami Heat? Unfortunately, I don't think there is. I think this is a Miami buzzsaw that the Knicks aren't getting out of the way of. That is definitely true about the Miami buzzsaw. Did we underestimate Miami is this just the cause of like a team coming together at the right time kind of March madness is this just one guy Jimmy Butler going capto insane like what's happening here Chris try to explain it for us because I know you're a numbers guy I think we underestimated this team I really do because not only are they dealing with some injuries with keep guys that aren't able to play but they're also doing it on nights when Butler's not 100% or even playing it is a don't get me wrong. Playoff Jimmy is a spectacle and everybody should be watching, but it's more than just him. It is this team. And I think we all just kind of slept on them because they didn't perform that well. They just kind of squeaked into the play in game and they really flipped the switch. That's for sure. Listen, I think squeaked in is probably being generous because they lost the first game of their play-in tournament, and then they basically were losing that whole entire last game to the Bulls and then turned around at the last second, and now all of a sudden they're world beaters. We're going to talk about a couple of other series where 
I think teams are scrounging, they're struggling, they're switching up lineups, they're searching for anybody. And the Miami Heat just seems to be able to truck almost anybody off of their bench and play solid minutes for them. Chris, what is it? Is it is it the coach? Is it something else there? Is it just one player who rises all tides? Like, why is it that like anybody from Miami seems absolutely ready for the moment at all times? I think we really got to start talking about this Miami culture that they have in this organization that they've had really for the past 20 plus years now. They are, in my eyes, the new Spurs. We were all all about the Spurs culture, their winning organization, how it didn't matter. They didn't have to tank. They were able to reload until like this last couple of years. But now that's Miami. Miami is able to change their entire lineups and still be competitive year in, year out, and challenge for championships, at least on the east side, you know. I mean, it was with D-Wade and Shaq and then LeBron and D-Wade, you know, and now Jimmy. And, like, they continually are able to put winning basketball on the court. I think it has a lot to do with the structure of the organization, Pat Riley on down to Eric Spolstra. I'm not surprised to hear you throw flowers to the Miami Heat based on the tanking conversation that we have about so many different sports on this podcast. The Miami Heat are definitely the anti-tankers. And on some level, I respect them, right? Because I don't want you to paint me into this corner that you try to all the time, that I'm just four teams losing all the time, and let's just tank willy-nilly for no reason. I am a strategic tanker. In certain situations where the field lays out and you look in that duck blind and all you see is not what you want to see, that's when you start to think about tanking, right? I'm not just for doing it for no reason, right? But if you have a reason to tank, lose games, get hired. I just want to make that clear here, right? And I also led you in a direction to say no about the New York Knicks and the Miami Heat, but clearly we did have a few things to say about it. But it's now your turn to make a pick, Mr. Mr. King. Make a pick for me, and I will roll to the basket and score like I did back in my freshman days for the Plymouth Pilgrims. <laughs> we're going to move out west for this one, Rod, and we're going to tackle what has been maybe a surprising series so far. And we may spend a little bit of time on this because I think you have a couple for me. Well, this is going to uh, Lakers Golden State. Okay. But what, but what I want to pick to you is, is there an issue – with Steve Kerr and his coaching right now. And the reason I'm bringing this up, there's been some strange things. We always knew that they had this system in Golden State. And I think it's been where Kerr has thought his players were well enough in the system to play through any type of mismatches they've had against teams. I don't think they can do that anymore. And I also think that Steve Kerr is realizing this because he's had – three or four different starting lineups in this series alone. Do you think Kerr has to readjust his thinking or do you think he's really grasping at straws? You know, it's really interesting. It really is interesting. You floated to me that you were going to ask me about this and I appreciate that. And it gave me some time to pontificate on it. Right. And my mind went in a lot of different directions. We see a Mike Budenholzer just get fired, right? Let go. However you want to put it here recently. And a whole lot of the reason it's presupposed that he was let go is because he was unwilling to change, right? And then we just got finished talking about the Miami Heat and about how they have a certain culture that no matter what happens, things have to be this way. And it brings about positive spin for them, right? So I guess on some level, people will say Steve Kerr doesn't go away from his 
all motion offense all the time. He makes a lot of changes in lineups, right? That you were alluding to there, but he doesn't just give the ball over to Steph Curry and say, we're going straight pick and roll and we're going the way you take us. He's still trying to run Steph off of ball screens and we're still getting a lot of shots for clay and all of that. I just think it's one of those situations where Steve is like, I got four championships this way. There's a couple of guys on the team that think to themselves, we got four championships this way. And I think when you're at the dying end of a dynasty, it's awfully hard to change because I think when you get that deep in it, it starts to seem like desperation to change what you've always done. Right. And I just think that's what makes it hard for Steve and Draymond and Clay and Steph to be real different. If that makes any sense. I meandered a little bit there, but I think I got it. No, no. And you bring up a good point because at the end of this last game from last night at the press conference, Kurt was asked about a couple of those shots that Clay took. And Kerr responded by saying, hey, when he's made the type of shots he's made in his career for us, how could I not want him to take that shot now? But it is getting pretty obvious to me, and I think a lot of other people out there, that Clay isn't the shooter he used to be. And I think that, coupled with a couple other things on this team as far as chemistry goes, is really hurting. And they went to Curry being the main ball handler in that last game, too. Uh, he was gassed by the end of that game because he was running the point and initiating the offense a whole lot more than he's accustomed to. I think I think Kerr is starting to really grasp at straws, and and I think he's still stuck in the history. I think he still thinks it's 2017 or something like that where these guys can go 45 minutes in a game and still stroke 50% from the three-point line. Well, I mean, there's another coach in the Western Conference that's trucking his guys out there about 40 minutes a game, and we'll and we'll we'll get to that when we talk about Nuggets and Suns. But I suppose then, I, let me let me make a quick pick to you then, because it sounds like you got a real good thought on this. So I'll just I'll just open the lane for you, right? I'll give you a nice backdoor dime here. Is Darvin Ham a rookie head coach out coaching Steve Kerr? I think I think right now in this series he is. Uh, you saw some adjustments made in that second half, especially the fourth quarter of that last game, where the Lakers were definitely addressing issues they had from that first half. You know, they had, they had, uh, they were getting Anthony Davis, Golden State was getting Anthony Davis a lot on those high pick and rolls and getting him away from the basket. Well, they switched that up in the second half. And instead of Davis guarding Peyton, he started guarding somebody else. And then that kept him off of those high pick and rolls. And Golden State then it then readjust and get them readjusted so they could get Anthony Davis into those pick and rolls. They were so, flustered big time by that. Basically, what you're talking about right now is basically what flustered in that last two minutes of the game that they couldn't get a decent shot there. The time where Steph almost got blocked on a runner by Anthony Davis. And then also the fatigue factor that I think you spoke about is the reason he took so many of those deep shots on Anthony Davis because he's like, man, I don't have it in me right now to try to cook him and go to the rim again. Well, there was some, there was just some sloppy decision making from Golden State in that fourth quarter that really surprised me one and I guess this doesn't surprise me because you know how I feel about him but Draymond gets that offensive rebound right under the basket and he has Schroeder on him and instead of going right back up with it he tries to dish it back out to Curry for that long long three with Anthony Davis on him that was the most egregious one to me for sure that was completely the wrong decision you saw you saw a couple times that instead of calling a timeout they 
went ahead and Curry ended up throwing the ball out of bounds to nobody. You saw some just some sloppy decision making from Golden State, which is not typical of them. And I think maybe the fatigue, maybe them not making the proper adjustments is really hurting them in the series. I think they used to be a sloppy team even in their heyday, but you had guys like Clay who could help make up for that deficit, right? You had uh, Andre Iguodala at times who could make up for that deficit, right? You had a couple other guys who came through this team who would score points for you when you needed it when Curry and Clay were a little bit sloppy at times. And I just, they, he doesn't have the weapons, right? Steve just doesn't have the guys over on that bench to look to. And Darvin Ham, to play off of what you were saying, I think. He is coaching a masterful series, and I think the thing that helps him is what Rob Palenka did at the trade deadline, right? Getting Russell Westbrook off of this team and giving Darvin Ham a lot of almost defensive-minded dog kind of guys, as well as a couple of just mercurial, weird, but when you need them to score 15 points in a quarter, they can. Guys like D'Angelo Russell and Schroeder and Vanderbilt and Beasley and Hachimura. And none of these guys are superstars on the level of, you know, uh, what Steve Kerr has to play with in Golden State. But Ham knows exactly what he's getting out of these guys every time. And it makes it easy to pull the right levers, whereas Steve has no idea what he's getting from his guys. And he's pulling it saying. Yeah. And let's give credit to where it's due. Lonnie Walker, the fourth. All right. Yeah. We okay. should have said his name by now. That's a good call. <laughs> Uh, he came out and he really showed what determination can do for you in the NBA. Here's a guy who was starting for this team early in the year. He struggled some. Uh, he survived the trade deadline craziness, which you're right. The Lakers did what we even said they did. They addressed every need they had during that trade deadline. They did a masterful job. But then Lonnie Walker just kept his nose down, kept putting the work in at the gym, and then when he got his – number called he was ready to step up and that shows you the kind of depth now that the lakers have and right now they're playing like one of the deepest teams in the league all right now here's the last pick that we have coming out of this lakers golden state series i am now going to say a name that i can't believe we haven't said yet in the lakers golden state series lebron james right i mean this is lebron james we haven't mentioned him at all it hasn't been that he hasn't factored in because at times when he's dialed it up right and he's gotten it into second and third gear, he's played tough defense when they've needed it. He's hit a couple of three-pointers when they absolutely needed it, driven to the basket, all the above, right? So, like, he's he's ready, right? At certain times, he's like an old car. He's like, let me idle here a little bit, and then when I need to merge over into that fast lane to pass this guy real quick, I'll jump on it then, and that's when I can do it. But don't ask me to be in an absolute all-out F1 race here because I can't do that anymore. That's how I would describe the LeBron out there I see out there. Chris, what about you? I see a smart and intelligent, high-minded basketball player out there when I see LeBron now. You did see more of him taking over in situations in the Memphis series, I think, than you do now. But I think he is very evident or very intuitively knows that he doesn't have to do that with this team. For one, you have Anthony Davis, who can be one of the best big men in the league when he is healthy and he is focused. We've seen the stuff that he can do. As long as LeBron is getting him to be as involved as he has been in these playoffs, he knows that, okay, I can take a step back. I can fill in where needed. I can be a facilitator. I don't have to initiate the offense like I used to have to do many, many different teams before this. 
I can step back and I can go to who has the hot hand. If Reeves is hot and is getting to the lane every other possession, I don't need to force my hand. If Lonnie Walker gets hot in the fourth quarter, I'm going to keep feeding him the ball because he's hot. Why would I not give it to him when he's hitting everything that he's putting up? Do you think Lonnie Walker is going to be that hot again at any other quarter in this series? I would be inclined to probably say no, but he has yeah. scored 63 points in the last three games. That's true. He's been, listen, he's, he's playing, well, you know, you give a guy a shot, he's going to score some points, especially yep. a guy like Lonnie Walker. But and the, I love that you said Reeves to the basket every other time. That scores <laughs> that Austin Reeves is just, he's, but he's been good. He's just been solid, right? He's just, you know, when the ball goes to Reeves, you don't think to yourself, oh no, what you, what's going to happen here? And you're just like, okay, something fine's going to work out. Austin's going to get to the basket or somebody's going to get an open shot. And that's crazy. And that's what, makes this team so dangerous right now is because they're so deep. You have LeBron, you have AD, you know what they're going to do. But then you have you, you have D'Lo, you have Reeves, you have Hachimura, you have Walker. You have all these guys. You don't need all of them to step up. You need two. Yep. You get two hot guys there. Usually it's Reeves and one or the other. You've seen Reeves and Hachimura, Reeves and D'Angelo Russell, Reeves now and Walker. So, like, you don't need all those you don't need like a third guy getting 25 points and both Davis and LeBron getting 30. You need four guys getting 20 and then your other guys filling in when they need to. And you have a very solid chance of winning just about every game. I think that Steve Kerr would kill for a couple of guys that are on Darvin Ham's bench. And I think that is going to end up being the story of this series. But uh, let's go back over East. There's one the- more. There's one more thing we got to talk about. Uh Oh, you got to pick for me. I got I got a pick for you because you didn't send it to me, and I thought you were going to. We haven't mentioned this guy's name yet in this series, and I think it's pretty egregious. We have as much hate as I throw this gentleman's way. TNT did something dirty last night, okay? They put up Jordan Poole's stat line after the game, 10 minutes, 0 for 4, 0 points. I thought that was kind of dirty. There was something that I saw today that was on the broadcast feed, all right? In the fourth quarter, uh, Poole just missed a shot, and they're walking back to the bench during timeout, and Draymond is in his ear barking at him. And Poole's just walking away with his head down and then just doesn't doesn't even acknowledge Draymond's there. And then you see Curry coming over there and then talking again to Jordan Poole. I really think that if Golden State – wants to have any kind of redemption with Jordan Poole and get something worth of that contract that they signed him to, they're going to have to get rid of Draymond Green because I don't think Poole has even been close to the same player since that incident at the beginning of the year. And I don't think he ever will be as long as he's on a team with Draymond Green. I think you're probably absolutely right. Let me ask you this. All right, here's the pick I'll ask for you about Draymond Green, and then I think this will give you open floor to just go ahead and get in a couple of Draymond shots on the way out here then. You don't want Draymond on Golden State. What team in the NBA would you like to see a Draymond on? What team with the, the skill set of a, of, of a Draymond could use a guy who doesn't want to put up a shot in the fourth quarter and gets about eight rebounds, six assists, maybe a block, you know, shoots 28% from the three-point line. You know what I mean? What team do you think could use a Draymond skill set like that, Chris? Houston. Houston. <laughs> they are trying to get good quick for some reason. Maybe Orlando. Oh, don't do that to the Magic. The Magic are fun. Don't do that to the Magic. <laughs> Listen, those are teams I don't care about. 
Oh, that's where you were going with that. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. I don't care about Draymond. Listen, I think he's a definitely a detriment to Golden State right now. He had some he has a flash or two of good plays or smart decisions. But we already talked about the one where he threw it back to Curry. We he he had five turnovers in the last game. Yeah. Like, like, like a guy who doesn't yeah, handle the ball. You're not going to hit any field goals and you're going to have five turnovers and you're not going to have double digit assists and you're not going to have double digit rebounds. You're absolutely right. It's tough. Let me ask you this. Is this over for the Warriors or are we going to see Curry brilliance here of three games in a row? I don't think I see any scenario where Golden State wins three in a row with the way this team has been playing, even against Sacramento. And now here, I don't see any way they win three in a row because they have to go back to L.A. as well, and we know how well they play on the road. I'll tell you what, though. Good. This is going back to Golden State. I think the Lakers are absolutely going to – or coming back to L.A. The Lakers are absolutely – or which, whichever one it is because they go back and forth, right? So two are in Golden State. Yeah, so it's Golden State or here be game five. Lakers are going to kick this game away in game five. I'm calling that right now. They're going to kick this game away in game five. It's just nature necessity all the above and then they're going to win game six back home in la that's when the series is going to go away i don't want to touch on phoenix much because literally they're about to tip off the game as we're recording here but let's say this much about the whole ishbia Jokic scenario ishbia sold it like he was a professional wrestler but i'm absolutely happy that the nba did not suspend Jokic. chris do you have any other thoughts if he was a normal fan, he would have been kicked out just like the guy that was sitting next to him got kicked out. If it was a different owner like Mark Cuban, Cuban would have been fined. You're right. That was one hell of a sell. <laughs> it was great. I would have been really, really upset if the NBA decided to suspend him, but I'm also kind of upset about the fine too. But it's the NBA. It's David Silver. No matter what happens. It's not, be a little bit. it's not well, David Silver. David Silver's from 90210. It's Adam Silver. Yeah, I mixed up David Stern and Adam Silver. I put them together. I know you did, but I just put David Silver because it's 90210, and that was funnier. All right, listen, you give a pick to me then. You ask me a pick about the last series we're going to touch on, the game that just wrapped as we're recording the 76ers v. Celtics with Philly now up 3-2 over my Celts. Chris, give me a pick. I know you've alluded this to this before, but is it not? Is it to the point now where Boston has? How can I put this delicately? Uh, they don't have the talent anymore to play past the absent coaching that is going on. Ah, now I like the question that you have there. I. I believe we are seeing a bit of a strategic uh, gap for sure, right? I think we're seeing some experience gap because not only is Missoula a first-time head coach for the Celtics, their bench doesn't have a whole lot of NBA head coaching experience on it, namely zero. And a lot of times when you have a first-time head coach, you make sure that you have a, a guy who's been a head coach before, at least been around the block a few times, maybe an interim, you know, a real seasoned guy. You have him on the bench. The Celtics don't have that. I don't believe a lot of what Missoula talks about. He seems to just be one of these analytics guys where if we shoot more three-pointers and we make more three-pointers, we're going to end up winning, right? That whole numbers efficiency and all of that. And that's well and good, but 
This team used to make its bones off of defense. The toughest guy on this team was Ime Udoka. He's not on the team anymore. I'm worried about the Celts, Chris. I really thought they were going to come out here in game five and get their business taken care of at home, and they absolutely did not do that. So, man, I don't know. I'm going to throw it back over to you to what what has surprised you in this series. Well, I tell you what, I really think that he is grasping at straws even more than what I think Kerr is. I mean, it it was – Early in the fourth quarter, or no, it was late in the third quarter, he just throws Peyton Pritchard in, a guy who's barely getting three or four minutes off the bench in the playoffs anyway, just to try something to see if they can start getting stops or whatnot. I mean, you you have, for one, you have to realize who is hitting shots and who is not. You can't have, I like, I know Jason Tatum is a superstar. He was at our MVP table. But he, if he is shooting 21 shots in the first half, or I may have been in the third quarter, I can't remember when, but he was shooting over 40% of his team's shots, and he had only made seven of them. And you have your, your next guy, Brown, who was shooting 66%, but has only taken nine shots. you got to make an adjustment and start getting the guy who is scoring the ball more. They were doing everything except for – making shots, and like the little hustle plays. The little hustle plays that Philadelphia has P.J. Tucker for. Toughness. Right? Horford did not show up today at all. Robert Williams was just looking slow all night. Couple flashes he had, but like he wasn't moving. Well, it's the playoffs. Robert Williams' knee is dodgy again. Shocker. (laughs) Shocker that that happened to the Celtics again. After a year of wear and tear and trying to not wear and tear him and trying to not play him much in the playoffs so far, his knee's still dodgy. And I just, I don't, I don't understand Missoula's rotations more than I want to get on him about stuff like timeouts and offensive strategy, right? Because I just don't know enough about that. He clearly has got to be smart on those things because I believe Brad Stevens is still a pretty smart basketball mind, and Brad said that he was the guy who wanted to coach the team. But I just I don't understand what we're doing with Marcus Smart, right? When Marcus Smart does the same thing that you just spoke about with Tatum, when Smart's out there making turnovers and bricking shots, you've got to sit him down. This team's too deep. You made fun of him putting out Peyton Pritchard, but I'll tell you what, Pritchard's not going to turn the ball over and he might hit a couple of three-pointers. So for about three and a half minutes, it's better than Marcus Smart killing you for three and a half minutes. Derek White, at times he looks great, at times he doesn't. you got to pull Derek White out of there and give the ball back to Brogdon. You have so many guys on this team, you have to be willing to just pull all the different levels and find the different rotation that's going to work for you. You have so many different guys that can play for you. Where's Grant Williams? We make fun of Grant Williams the way he comports himself, but that guy absolutely stone cold, flat out beat the Milwaukee Bucks last year for this team. Plays solid defense versus Embiid and other guys last year. Now all of a sudden he can't play for you? I don't understand what's going on with Missoula and the Celtics, Chris, and it really has me bummed out. And I'm glad that we're ending on this series because I just I don't know how much more I want to talk about the NBA now because you got me all sad. Yeah, listen, it wasn't the bench's fault tonight. I'll give you this much. It didn't matter because Philadelphia didn't get anything from their bench. It was all their starters. And it was really just four because we know P.J. Tucker don't score. <laughs> <laughs> so it was Harris, Maxi, Harden, and MVP, Embiid. And – we already know that Philadelphia got two wins out of this series from Harden being somehow coming from a fountain oh. of youth to play a game. But tonight is what you would normally 
expect from Harden. Not not pushing his shot, working within the offense, facilitating, being there when he needs to be there, and let Embiid run the show. Because Embiid showed why he's the MVP again tonight, and they're gonna have to they're gonna have to do something. You and the way Maxine Harris was shooting tonight, you couldn't double Embiid at that point in time. You just can't. I mean, unless you're going to try to take a, ga- a guy away from Tucker, but he's so far away, that's not going to help anyway. Well, I'll tell you what, Chris, you're my MVP because you filled in with me tonight on just a pick and roll. We couldn't quite run the fast break, but I think we got a lot of stuff out there. We talked about all the series we wanted to. I have a sneaky feeling, and it sounds like you do too. The next time we are podcasting, we could be talking about the Miami Heat versus the Philadelphia 76ers in the Eastern Conference Finals. We could be talking about the Lakers sitting there. And you could tell me anything still in that other <laughs> Phoenix-Denver series. That's why we're not talking about it much tonight. I know, because you don't know what's going to happen. But I will say Booker is playing like a different animal right now. What is he shooting a field goal percentage, like 55 57%? Oh, it's, it's crazy. It's ridiculous. It is absolutely ridiculous. We have had ridiculous amounts of fun here on the fast break. Jimmy will be back with us next week. We may even even be talking about another sport that involves a ball next week here on balls and brew how much of a novel idea would that be chris it's about time rod all right now i believe this is the part where you close the show goodbye internet